Sound like movies. I'm Aaron and I'm here with my mother Lisa. Hello there. <laughs> and on this episode, we are going to talk about Jimmy Arbus's 2016 film Patterson. It's the second film from Arbus that we are talking about in our podcast. Uh, yes, yeah. The time before, we talked about uh, in our vampire miniseries, vampire season. We talked about Only Lovers Left Alive, and I'm really excited that we can go back to his universe and his uh, movies. And um, you know, like when I when it when it when it came out, like in the late 2016 in the winter time, I I started to hear like comments and critics and uh, new rumors about about the film before I saw it myself. And I heard my like, I, and I heard these things from my my friend who t- told that he's like an older couple of friends went to see it and they they said to my friend that that it's that it's boring oh that they saw it and they thought that it was a very boring movie <laughs> that nothing happened <laughs> 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 and that's exactly the point in the whole movie that nothing really happens you know that, that it's very uh, unplayed you know like it's very daily life it's very subdued yes. and it's the the normal it's a repetition of days for one week it's yeah and that, and that daily life can be quite boring in some ways you know it can be just the mundane same things that you go over and over again and You just live your life, you know, go to work and you come back home and everything. But the movie tries to focus on the beauty of this. Yes. That that it's exactly that, you know, like just concentrate on that and focus on it for a while and just, you know, see the beauty in what in that mundane banality of of life, you know. Yes. And, And that exactly is the poetry that is like shown in the movie so it's really funny that some people don't really see you know they 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 go to the movie and they expect some kind of uh, drama or some kind of like intersection of you know lives and drama that that and conflict yeah, and questions and yeah action. because like like i some, some sometimes i i had this uh theory that kind of like every story is uh, some kind of challenge or a question in every story, there has to be a question. You yes. know? Like yeah. if you go into the essentials of storytelling and into the essential, yeah. like, core idea is that why do we tell stories and why do we narrate a story and why do we, um, why do we tell a story about a character and why do we like emerge with that character yeah, and we share their experience and I and I and I started to think that one essential idea is that they, they always seem to go through some kind of challenge and question some yeah, kind of the, conflict the quest, the quest yeah. of Don Quixote and the quest of the growl <laughs> yeah they, they always have to overcome something 
and hobbits, yes. They always have to be some some element of overcoming an obstacle. They have to always there's an arc. You yeah. know, you start from something and you end up in something and you have evolved in some ways. And the the whole point is about that journey in the middle of it, you know, and stuff. And Yeah, the whole point is the journey. Yeah. So so people when they go and see movies they kind of of course like Obviously, you expect to have you to have a clear arc. You have you expect to have like you you usually we start characters with who are very much you know um, like what's 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 the word for it? Like they have faults. Yeah. You know, they are like they are not capable or they are not perfect. And they are like like you think about like. Um, a good example of this is like the Dallas Buyers Club. Oh yeah. Remember Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, Matthew. Like he, he begins with as as a very like low end character, you know, like mm. very faulted, very broken and stuff. And then yeah. throughout the journey, we learn how he 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 finds his the value of life and all of yeah. this. Yeah, you know. he makes and, a and quest. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, the most like seems to be like the most basic classic idea is that we always start with a faulty character and then, then he goes through an arc and stuff. And we can follow with him to this quest and we feel good. Yeah, yeah and, and and then usually usually it feels it's a feel good movie because you you character gets fulfillment, yeah. you know, and then and then you 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 can feel like wow I I also fulfilled somehow myself and or I went through that same challenge and I kind of, in a way, I, there's the illusion that I also dis- discovered something, or I fulfilled, and you can learn a lot from films and stuff like this, and, and, and like like it was in the in, in terms of the Greek theatre, that every story is either a comedy or a tragedy. Tragedy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, tragedy. <laughs> like, you, either, you, either it ends up happy and positive, or it ends up Miserable or negative, you know. Also, Shakespeare is like that. And yeah, you, yeah. And, mm. and that's the end of the story. And so, okay, what I wanted to, why I wanted to bring all this stuff is because Simeon Bush seems to very interestingly decompose these kind of structural narrations and stuff like. Um, and that's, I think, why why people when they went to see Patterson that it might. I feel like when people go and see Simeon Bush films, they they seem to have very. They expect something, and they they seem to not have the right um, attitude to to view his films because they are not the basic uh, classical narrational stories. Like you mentioned before, that uh, uh, there were some people who went to see some critics, some Finnish critics told said about Only Lovers Left Alive that it's not a that it's not a scary horror film. That yeah, it, yeah, it, it fails to be to a scary horror film. Yeah. And that he couldn't make a scary horror film, so he made something else. But uh, he said that they, they, it describes it's the old couple, couple, and it's not a good film. Yeah, that is not the yeah uh, that, like that it that it's well, not a, that it's not a, 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 a it's, it fails to be a scary vampire movie, but the whole point of that movie is that it's not supposed to be a scary vampire film. It's, yeah, yeah. It just takes the element of the vampires and there's another kind of story. In it. Yeah, there's no Christopher Lee there. <laughs> no. Yeah. So Patterson is the same, you know, like people expect it to be something interesting, uh, a drama or a conflict or something, and there is a conflict. 
There are a few conflicts. They are the, very interesting. It happens and it's a very funny film. There are a yeah. lot of funny stuff and everything. But you know, uh, with this point, what you make very interesting, what you tell about these friends of yours, is I remember suddenly this, uh, my favorite philosopher, writer nowadays, is Stanley Cavell. Cavell, uh-huh. I don't know how you pronounce American philosopher. And uh, I, I've been reading his book, mm-hmm. and uh, he talks mostly about marriage and the relation between the m- woman and it. Now I'm reading about the woman, but, but you know, he said very interesting thing that in the first place when I got interested in Kavel was that um, the best marriage results when the prospect is not for the passing of years, like until the death parts us, but for the willing repetition of days, willingness for the everyday. Hmm. Isn't that wonderful? That's it. That's what marriage is all about. That's what the relation Hmm. is. It's the willing repetition of days, willingness for the everyday. Hmm. So he looks at films mostly in the 1940s, 50s, and uh, and uh, studies them where the, what is the relation between, you know, the Hollywood films in those times. So I start to watch also Cary Grant and so on. Yeah. And I find now wonderful things. I see it not as uh, stupid movies anymore. <laughs> Earlier I thought that, wow, it's not interesting. Now they are wonderfully interesting to me. Yeah. Okay, so this is by the side. But suddenly no, but I remember this couple yeah. when you talk. No, but that, 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 that explains very well Patterson's um, universe and the, the the feel of the movie. Like the interest it's kind of interesting how in a kind of relation of to that that how it connects on with only lovers of the life that in that movie, it seemed wanted to portray a kind of uh, like the main focus is on the couple. The, yeah, the yeah. Adam and Eve, who are like an exploration of this idea of a relationship that has gone through generations, like this mm-hmm. one relationship, like, because they are like hundreds of years old and stuff yeah. like that. And and again, in Patterson, he also explores relationships. Exactly. And yeah. It, and, and and in both films, it's a very fulfilling and healthy relationship. You know. Yeah, it is. Explores. But you know, I feel like. It's, there's so much to think about in Patterson. It's an endless, <laughs> endless uh, treasure, no? <laughs> to, to, uh, and you can only touch the surface. It will be classic. I tell you, it will be a classic. <laughs> so it's not. A, I think it's not a small film, like small independent film, which you would think. I think it's a big film. A <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. <laughs> meaningful film, a classic already. So, what I wanted to say is that Patterson, we don't know his first name ever, he's Patterson, just, I think. And his wife, Laura. And so, Laura is uh, black and white. No, it's, uh, and Patterson is the one, I think, who creates here the gray areas. He likes the, not the black, and why he likes all the gray areas and and that's the interesting the everyday you know the everyday the gray and Laura is for black and white 
No, yeah, like, 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 literally, he's all, all, all interest in his, in her life is that she's just obsessed about black and white yeah. tones, and that's it. The extreme contrast, like she's, she's literally like painting everything in the house like black and white, and like that's her style. And then yeah. there's this wonderful scene when they they go and see old horror movie. Uh, black and white horror movie, and then when they come back, the Laura says to Patterson that uh, wasn't it amazing that the movie was in black and white or something? Yeah, <laughs> it's one like, of the like, funny things. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's what he liked. He liked about the movie itself. It was that it was black and white and stuff. Like she's she's yeah, it's literally her her whole like interest. So that's what that's why I what you said what you meant is that she's. Yeah, this Jim Jarmusch is so wonderful. It's so wonderful when he makes this uh, to find out all these meanings there in the uh, down the surface, you know, down from the. So the movie which they see is Island of the Lost Souls from 1932, very old. And this Kathleen Burke, who is uh, there, is a panther woman, a savage. Yeah. So, so she looks. She's a look-alike to Laura. Exactly looks like Laura, mm-hmm. and that's also interesting, really. And um, and the funny thing, you know, where you can go and deep in this this Patterson into deep into things in many things. And for instance, this movie they see. So, I was starting to think that, okay, this Kathleen Burke, who is acting there, she, she's a savage woman who has a bikini clothes, <laughs> bikini clothes, which is a paradox because she's a savage. So mm. why she's covering her sexy parts like? So she's savage. And <laughs> now, see, anyway, this, and she's very enticing. She tells this man about, about um, in English, she talks English. <laughs> and then she talk, talks to this main male character like, oh, I will I love you and I will give you, sex, give you sex and everything. Stay and protect me like. No. Mm. She wants that. It's also uh-huh. this, this uh, what Stanley Cavell talks about, like what the woman and man relation is all about when you start to think about it. And uh, so the man, anyway, is not staying, he goes. Uh, and he declines the offer. So uh, I think this is a reflection, in a way, of Patterson and Laura. Because uh, Laura is black and white, <laughs> and <laughs> looks like even Gatlinburg. And she needs Patterson's protection is, uh, in a money way. She stays at home and makes the decorations. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. also the food, and she thinks always she it's it's the difference between who you never know what the other one is thinking, even if you are very close. Because Patterson mm-hmm. is a nice person and goes softly around the edges and don't make <laughs> any trouble. And see, he says about the food that it's nice and it's clear that he can't eat it. Even. And mm-hmm. it's so funny. She makes. His favorites, which he says, really, <laughs> do I like that? <laughs> These Brussels sprouts and the cheddar cheese. Yeah, but 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 that, that was interesting. Yeah, that was interesting because what you say, the way that 
see this is like she's kind of a wild her character like she, she, she seems to like how we kind of learn her character is that she seems to be very spontaneous and kind of like yeah. she, she just like spontaneously does all kind of creative stuff in the house like Patterson comes home and she's just painting the every like the door uh, frames, frames uh, yeah. black it's like oh do you like it I, I now it's a very nice contrast and stuff and, and Patterson is like yeah yeah it's very and like he allows her to do a lot in the house and and she has this uh, muffin uh, uh, cupcakes. Cupcakes that she's going to do, going to do in the market, and then she wants to be a folk singer suddenly, and and she, everything, all of her, her actions seem to be like this uh, very wild, dreamy, spontaneous. Yes, spontaneous. Yeah, and, and it doesn't mean that they, they don't go anywhere because the cupcakes, for example, are very good. Like she's very good doing the and she, and she learned like. Um, I was quite amazed how fast she learned to play the guitar. Like that's amazing. You one day that you she was able to like play so well the guitar and sing, and she had a beautiful voice and stuff. Like uh, she yeah, could, yeah, she, she had instructions. She said. Yeah, of course. Like, but but if you when you have good instructions, you get to learn fast. But it doesn't mean that she she's but but she she is, seems to not be able to like like have a have a like a salary and stuff like this. But then in another way, like. I also noticed, like when you were talking about their contrast, I, I kind of noticed also, or or you can clearly see like another balance is that um, because about the pie, you know, they have this dinner table, yeah, and they they have the pie, and and already before we had this joke that. Um, Laura says, "Like, see, 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 made dinner, and then that is, I, I made this uh, interesting new crane called quinoa." Yeah. And, but there's a oh, what's, what's that? And yeah, it's like some kind of you know healthy, weird, ex, ex, exotic uh, crane and stuff like this. But like, um, yeah. which is like be, became more and more popular, of course, in the Europe and stuff. And it's it's kind of a newer thing, but it's. It's just, it's normal, it's nothing magical, you know, it's quinoa, everybody eats quinoa these days. But but for Patterson, it's like, uh, in the movie, it's like something we kind of exotic and weird. And then and then there, there is the pie, and then he's like, are we going to have pie for dinner? Like pie? You know, mm-hmm. like cherry pie or something, you know, from mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. And, and then, and then and what's in it, you know? And then she says, ah yeah, it's uh, Brussels sprouts and and cheese. Yeah, cheddar, cheddar cheese. Cheddar yeah. cheese. And he's like, uh, what? Your favorite. She says, yeah, yeah your favorite. <laughs> so I made them into a pie for you. And this is like, he's like, what? And, and we, but this is a quiche. It's a quiche. Yeah, yeah. It's a salty pie, you know. It's, yeah, it's here, a, yeah. here you go to a restaurant, you pay a lot of money to eat that same Brussels sprouts with cheddar cheese mm. and stuff. It's It's a normal food. But I, so I was kind of, it was kind of interesting that in the film they portrayed it in a kind of weird and funny, and he didn't like it. And I'm not convinced that the pie was really terrible, because if he, if if she had recipes and like instructions to make a quiche, which is just a normal nice salty food, oh, yeah. then it could be good. But maybe it could be that Patterson didn't like it, and maybe it was yeah, a little bit obvious. weird. Maybe it was a little bit weird for Patterson because, yeah. and this is this is the the thing that I see is that Patterson is the old-fashioned one. Yeah. Patterson is the the he all the time wearing like very 
uh, mundane clothing. When he goes to work, he has this metal uh, lunchbox. Yeah. You know, he's he's such an yeah. American old-fashioned, like, you know, he and he likes that way. Like he, uh, uh, Laura has like a laptop, probably an Apple or something. I don't know. And yeah. and a smartphone. And, a and cell phone and yeah, 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 cell phone and and and, and they, a car. Yeah, the car, and and then and she she tries to like say that Patterson could also have, but Patterson doesn't want to have any cell phones and smartphone. He doesn't like all this stuff. He has a very normal, old-fashioned watch in his hand, and so Patterson is the old-fashioned, and Laura represents the open-minded, new wave, you know, cultural and modern globalization you know this mm. and they are kind of a contrast meant to be in a way of each other but also maybe the interesting thing about this is that even though they might be very different in their characters and in their mm. ways and stuff they you see how well they play together yeah how well they they learn they how, how much they love and respect one another and how they support one another and stuff and, and it's a, you can yeah. You can see that Patterson, for him, it's enough that he has this little tiny house, whatever color it is or whatever, and <laughs> even the dog there and everything. But And he can write poetry, that's important, and that he has Laura. That's it. You yeah, and, 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 and he can go to the bar every night. To relax yeah. for one beer. But that that's very important for him. It's a, it's a very yeah. important element of it is that like when 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 we saw it and stuff, I think everybody in the theater we we went to the cartoons. You know, in in, in Antwerp in, in Belgium there's this uh, cinema called uh, Cinema Cartoons and that's where like a little bit like a lot of cultural films are so now a lot of them older people go and stuff. And I and yeah. I and I could I could really feel that atmosphere in the film and when and he started to go like every evening there and she just allows it that everybody was kind of like oh you allow your man to go every night to have a beer just like that ah mm. you know like yeah. like like everybody can kind of reflect their relationship in it and stuff and it's kind of extraordinary freedom that that he can kind of have that. And that he's kind of supportive for this kind of lifestyle that he can go every single weekday night. To he he doesn't beer. tell her I'm going to be, and he he completely shuts her, Laura out of it. But then Laura says that okay, I can smell the, I love it. If I can smell the beer. Yeah, and, and yeah, so so they know. I, I, yeah, you know. And even the, even the other morning, she says that you still smell like beer, you know, like mm. like it's a repetitive uh, element in their life, apparently and stuff. But it's it's kind of interesting to how how Timmermans kind of portrays this. It's very complicated film, and in the many I mean in many layers, it's enormous layers in it. It's not boring at all. Mm. Exactly like it's. Like you say that she is innovative and uh, spontaneous and so on, but in another way, this Patterson is innovative and spontaneous in his poetry and things. You know, in a, <coughs> in another way of life, he's not uh, busy all around. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's observing just life around him. He's like he's very silent, and he's 
like the whole film itself, like how the camera wants to look at the world, you know, it's very much like how Patterson looks that that you you as an artist or something like you just kind of intake the the silence of of the world around you and these little shapes and colors and feels and everything and you just like enjoy that and you yeah uh, there's the shadows he, he there's we we see shadows and yeah. reflections and no there's a lot of reflections there when we are in the bus for instance and we are reflecting from the windows of mm-hmm. the bus and all this and then when he, we don't see him walking in a busy street with people we see him going alone home and back he has a road route yeah yeah isn't it, it you don't notice if you don't think about it so, so we can observe things and yeah, you you see him alone. That's true. Like he's he, not. And there are busy roads and stuff. In the, like there's a center or something. But yeah, you always he see him the alone. Bus. Yeah. yeah, he likes he but, likes to be kept by himself. Yeah. yeah, and anyway, on the way home, he get he sees exciting things. It's like the girl who's ma- writing poetry and things, and the shadows even. You no, know, all this uh, and the a, noises. There's all. a little. Uh, notice the little squirrel that. Uh, he always goes there's this uh, the suburb where he lives and there's this little tree and stuff like we always see it like yeah, he goes yeah. up and, and then he comes home, home from work one day and there's this little squirrel that goes into the tree just on that shot and then Patterson looks up to the tree like a little bit like glaring at the squirrel and stuff and it's like this very little beautiful little element that just happened when they were filming apparently and then yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder how he got that because you know you remember once, earlier when we talk about Only Lovers Left Alive, I was talking about the music, this guru. So <laughs> when they, and they, so I was interested because <laughs> in many times I don't even notice the music in the films, but in his films I always notice that. It's also now, it's a wonderful music there. It's wonderful. And it's, I see it's done by Carter Logan. So I start to, I wanted to see this, and he's the squirrel. Carter Logan and Jim Zarmus are the squirrel. Yeah. And they have a logo. You know, the logo is a vampire teeth <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> you know? It's an orava. <laughs> it's a vampire teeth squirrel. And then they have a third. He, they took a third one, uh, Joseph Van Wissem. He's a Dutchman ah. for the only lovers left alive. And so they found this, it was, in the early times it was called Bad Rabbit, this, this, um, oh, rock. ah, before, the music rock. yeah, before it was called Bad Rabbit, but then they <laughs> changed to Squirrel. I think Squirrel is much better than <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, it's really <laughs> But, but the, the Dutch guy, I think in the only love of the life, is the person who uh, did all the very oriental you yeah, know, yeah. like the Arabic yeah. sounding uh, yeah, pieces in, and stuff. Yeah, in Morocco, this yeah. country. And then the, the scroll did the drone uh, guitar, uh, like heavy drone uh, yeah. ambient music and stuff. And in Patterson, they... it's much more lighter. It's much more kind of uh, uh, hypnotic ambient, you know, like, or not, like, not hypnotic. But it's wonderful. It's really nice. And they got the prize for it in Cannes for the music. Yeah, not Patterson, I think. It was earlier in this Only Lovers Left Alive or something. 
Yeah. So, so all this this uh, relation between Laura and Patterson is the interesting. It's one of the interesting points, you know, of course, <laughs> because they, it's a lot of lot of uh, things in it. You know, like they go, he goes into the bar, and the bar tender, the man who owns the bar, has a quarrel with his wife because they took the money from the wife, and she comes to shout uh-huh, at him. Yeah, and uh, true. then then Patterson sees that ooh, that's a relation like that <laughs> and then the man says, asks him how about your wife and so on so he says that Laura understands me yeah my wife understands and then, me and, and then there is there is the other the the other woman friend who has this this absurd breakup yeah Everett He's, Everett yeah. yeah he has this absurd breakup with this actor guy That that just doesn't get over it, and that's just like lingers on, and it's like heartbroken and yeah. stuff, and it just goes on and on in the background. Yeah, wow, there's a lot of this relationship stuff going on. Yeah, Marie and Everett, and they are, now if I can talk about my favorite subject, these old films, because it, it it's clear that Jim Jarmusch knows all those films. Also, he somehow knows them. Not yeah. the film film history. So whenever it takes this gun, he gets his uh, he gets a nervous breakdown and he comes with the gun like okay now everybody stop <laughs> and so like Tarantino business. You know? <laughs> and and suddenly we see a few things which we didn't know before. Like like we suddenly see that Patterson takes him immediately, catches him and uh, solves the situation because he's from Marine Corps. He has a photo of him in the night table from the Marines. Mm-hmm. No? And in fact when I read about Adam Driver later, after he was in the Marines, it's a real photo. <laughs> he's yeah, he was a what you call not lieutenant, he was a Marine something. Lance Corporal. He's a Lance Corporal from three years in in the Marine Forces. Oh. Yeah, so he really was there. So maybe Charmos took it from from the real Adam Driver and put it in or or not. I don't know. But anyway, so he catches him very quick. And then the bartender says, okay, this is a toy gun. So (laughs) (laughs) very, uh, it's, uh, it's, Yeah, silly thing. Yeah, but but but, but Patterson, it's not about silliness, but because because more more as it is it uh, a shock. You yeah. know, he he's very kind of terrified. Like he's still he's in that laterally. Yeah. yeah, he's he it's not like he's shaken. used to this kind of things. I, I don't know if it really connects. Like, I feel like it's it's more into the in the nature of the character that he tries to do the good thing and he's like he's kind of a good guy all throughout the film, you know. So yeah, yeah, he yeah. he tries this to take the control of their situation and he's very old fashioned. It's like it feels like this what a what the stereotypical uh, uh, ah, American yeah. citizen should do, you know, is to take the situation to save the situation yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so he does it even though he he might not be the hero you know but he and, he, and then when he, even though it's a toy gun he's like for a second he thought it was a real gun and that's really and then he t- tells about it to his to his wife to Laura and he's still like 
Okay, then he's like, yeah, it's it was a toy gun, but you can see that he's kind of when he talks about that it, there was a gun that he's kind of it, it shook him, you know, like it it, it, it was a big yeah, it, yeah. it was a big thing underneath and stuff, you know, like like whoa, like this happened, and and in a way it's funny because there's this other situation with the bus that's really. Uh, for me, one of the funniest moments. It's there was this bus yeah, they, yeah. That, that breaks down. It's like it's a kind of a good example of a big drama in Patterson. Is yeah. the bus breaks down? And yeah, he's shaken, obviously. And, and he's like, oh, and but he takes control of the situation, and yeah. then he comes down. And my favorite is the old ladies, because he's like pre- taking these old ladies down from the bus, and the old ladies are totally traumatized about the situation and they are like as saying to Patterson like what what is going to happen? What is going to happen to us? What is going to happen yeah. to us now? You know And like the bus the bus can burst into flames. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah like yeah they, what they said. Are, is is the bus going to burst into flames like a fireball? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so in like, the bar you can laugh at it because the bartender says the same. Yeah, yeah, like like yeah. it's three times I counted like in, after that in the whole movie they like, also, I think yeah. I think Laura says it also like oh it could have <laughs> go into yeah. a fireball. fireball. By the time the bartender says it, Patricia just starts laughing like oh my god this yeah. fireball stuff. Wonderful, know. we can but, laugh with him. Yeah, but yeah. you know my. My reflection to the old film was to Adam's Rib, a film called Adam's Rib by George Cukor from 1950. And it's starring Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. And so they have a love affair. They are a couple, a married couple, but then later there's troubles and Catherine Hepburn has a kind of a lover there. And so he's jealous and he comes with a gun, bursting in with a gun, and trying to say, now you are with you. <laughs> Not with the revolver. Exactly like here. And uh-huh. and they are, they are really traumatized. Uh, they are no, very afraid. And then he he turns the gun, he, gun and uh, eats it. Because it's <laughs> made of licorice. <laughs> it's made of lacrets, you know, licorice. Uh, so really? then, wow. Yeah. So maybe I've seen this film and all kind of, you know, there are such things in the, in the old films. There are interesting things in this. And it's also a black and white film. I have. Yeah. Laura so I would have liked it, probably. Yeah. So the third devastation, there, there was this, and then ah, there was and the, that one, and then there was the third devastation, was when Marvin the dog eats the notebook. Or, yeah, or shreds, well, shreds it. He doesn't need yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's a huge. That's the main. That's the like the big conflict of the movie in a way. Like that's. I feel like mm-hmm. everybody who watched it. Like I, I remember in the theater, everybody like gasped. You know, <gasps> you know, like everybody was totally shocked. And and it it doesn't get easier every time you see the film. It's a horrible. No, yeah, moment. yeah. A, and Laura is perfect. Perfect there. She's really understand in the moment she's understanding. Yeah. She's angry with the dog who goes to garage. <laughs> and so, and and Patterson shows his uh, his gentle mind by taking the dog out of the garage. Of course, immediately yeah. he takes takes him out, and uh, 
And then Patterson somehow he, we get the impression that he thinks that he's anyway not a good poet, so. No? Well, yeah. Uh, uh, depressed. Well, yeah, it's kind of interesting moment because it, 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 like we said, like before he was always in control of the situation, like the bus and the gun and stuff like this. But now it's like. Now, now he really needs like some something to pick him up from it again. Like he, it's not so simple anymore to just say, oh, "Okay, whatever," and go because it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like your whole work that you have done, and all those, those, that all those emotions, like those moments. Because when when he when the po- when the poetry, like we haven't even talked about the poetry itself, you know, in the movie, but it's like. Hypnotic, and 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 Adam Driver acts perfectly. Like when he, when he writes poetry in the film, he has this expression and this. Yeah, I think he really understands something deep about that creative process of, of yeah. what where does that poetry and that creativity comes from to an artist in general. You know, like I think yeah. his his face and these moments of when he writes his poetry is one of the best like representations of creativity the other one being in Takeshi Kitano in Hanabi I, I would say is another great creativity yeah. pre- representation yeah. but Adam Driver in this one is like absolutely perfect and I think and in a way all of that magic that that moment that can is kind of not there it's in the notebook yeah. the notebook is magical you know it's something very Extraordinary, something irre- irreplaceable. It's it's not yeah. like life, like a human life in a way. You know, yeah, you cannot gone, just replace gone. it like that. Yeah, mm. and you. So in a way, it's like 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 I compare. Like uh, in a way, it's like human life. You know, so when an artist loses that, that it, yeah. It's a major conflict. It's a major catastrophe, you know. Yeah, when yourself. he writes, when he writes in one poem that I like, he, he loves Laura, and I love you so much that if I would ever lose you, I would tear my heart out and never put it back again. Yeah, exactly. Paradox, because when you put tear your heart out, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> it, it describes what you're talking about. Like, but it's like, funny it, that 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 poem kind of reflects also the the breakup conflict happening with other characters. Yeah. Because I'm I'm all the time thinking about that guy, you know, like just get over it, you know, like. But he course. loves the drama. He's the drama. That's his. He's life. the actor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah just it, opposite Patterson. He's not a drama person at all. And but this Laura yeah. is a different type. He's a kind of she's a romantic thing, but but also we we hear that she's from Iran. No, she's yeah. uh, she's uh, listening to Iranian music one day at home and lying on the on the floor painting, and she has this scarf in front of her face. Smell oh, of really? the paint. She's preventing uh-huh. the smell of the paint, but it's like a reflection on the Islamic uh, covering of the <laughs> woman. You know, in the, in you have uh-huh. to wear scarf in <clears throat> if you go public in Tehran or Iran somewhere. Yeah. The woman okay. in yeah. all the films. 
Yeah. You see, it. yeah. So there's a allusion to that, like, um, and she also has this dream that that Patterson is dry, riding a silver elephant in Iran desert. Persia. Yeah, Persia is Iran. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So. Yes, in but ancient then, they, Persia, in ancient Persia, yeah. Yeah, but then they say, like, did they have elephants in ancient Persia? And she said, probably not. Probably not, but but Patterson is driving a silver elephant every day in Patterson. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Bad. Yeah, true. so it's a romantic way of seeing. She's a romantic but, person. But, but I'm, for me it's interesting that Laura doesn't seem an Arabic name. It's not an Iranian name. Now, yeah, also, she's, so a deal, if, she's a really intrigue. So, if, if, if she comes from Iran, how, how come she has Laura as a name? It, it, yeah. sounds, it sounds more like she was born in America and she was given oh, the she, name Laura. Yeah, or maybe she changed her name because on her nightstand is completely different stuff. They show, this Jim Jarmus shows us what Patterson has. Yeah. He has his parents, mother and father, and photos and himself as a marine and the toy bus and toys and things and then Laura has not not that she has art pieces there art pictures and then only one photo of a girl and a boy so maybe she's a twin or something and it's from a childhood oh. hmm. yeah it's she don't have a family there and you, you can start it's very carefully said all that there. Uh-huh. It's a deal. Yeah. It's an <coughs> what you call it. It's a kind of a secret. We don't know what's her background. We don't know really background on any, except uh, from those those what we can guess. Yeah. 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 So, like Patterson's last name, or you know, we don't know. He's a, he's just Patterson. His or Lor- or first, first name, I think. We don't, we don't know, know his first name. His surname. Uh-huh. Oh, we don't know even that. Which one? Oh, I never thought. I thought it's his surname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It can better be a first name also. Yeah. But so anyway, he wakes up every morning before the clock. Like, before yeah. the alarm. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, never, I, I never hear the alarm. Even if, if, he, if he sleeps he later. Yeah. But even if he... he no, he, like he... Oh, is there an alarm? Yeah, there's an alarm clock, but he puts it off, he wakes up before and puts it off, and then puts his watch on his hand, oh. and then caresses Laura every day. It's wonderful. <laughs> he ne- he needs all that. And then you notice that the about the only things, not black and white at home, is the bed sheets. They're blue and things. They're not black and white ever. Yeah, and there are of course other things that are not Which? black and white, like Marvin's chair is not black yes, and white. Yes, that's the point. Yeah, I wanted to show that Marvin, the dog, which Adam, I know Adam Driver, but uh, Patterson hates, he, he doesn't like the dog, and uh, it's Laura's dog, and it's like a baby, he talks to him like a baby, and it's a horrible dog, like, looking, you know, he has that kind of a colorful carpet under a Persian carpet or colorful, yeah. no, yeah. under him. Yeah. And then the paintings which he paint from the dog on the wall, really horrible. <laughs> 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 but that's about the only things. 
and <laughs> and also the cellar. There is no. It's a place for Patterson. Yeah, it's very very Patterson. Yeah, it's it's his bag cave. Yeah. Yeah. So then I want to talk about another old film which I saw, Uh which connects to Patterson. Came to me exactly with Patterson. Is it's um, from 1947 called The Bishop's Wife, and uh, you have the Cary Grant and Loretta Young, and. yeah, I think I look well because it's easy to find old uh, films when you just put Cary Grant and then. No. So, <laughs> so I, yeah, I collect like them to my mind. So okay. Loretta Young is married to David Niven, who is a bishop. Yeah, and Cary Grant is an angel. He's a man oh. angel. Yeah, he comes oh. to the ground, to the earth. Oh, like the terrible movies. What? Like the Chernobyl movie, the I think it came later. The, the yeah, Wim Wenders. Yeah, the clouds over Berlin. Yeah, something. Yeah, huh. exactly. Yeah, but this one is in 1947. So he comes to help people in their troubles, and he knows all about the people, all the secrets and everything because he's angel. So he can go and tell them, and people love it when he tells them about that. What it in that thing? What you have then and there and so on, and so they can get clear the troubles. He helps everyone very nicely, and he's this handsome man, Cary Grant. Yeah. And then uh, Loretta Young has a problem because the husband is a bishop who is going very uh, much trying to find money to. Ch- repair the church and uh, busy busy and don't go anywhere with her and doing nothing with her and so Cary Grant the angel goes and does things they go to skate and do and all kinds of things they are busy so it's very very nice movie it's really interesting movie really nice yeah you should everybody see it it's real fun and 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 how does it connect with Patterson yeah, so about the Patterson, the point here is that in the end, the bishop all the way doesn't learn anything, but in the end he says that, okay, because he says to the angel, to to the to Cary Grant, that, okay, you can have my wife, you can have the woman, because she likes you anyway better. <laughs> she will have a nicer time with her, with you than with me. Mm-hmm. So the angel answers him that, look, that looks like that, but you have one thing which I don't have, which is the most important thing. You have a body. Mm. So use it with your wife. <laughs> it's important to her. So I I remember the, this when I see Patterson and the it's kind of, you know, it's important to have the bodily contact and mm-hmm. as much as all the st- other stuff which you have uh, been spiritual together and fun and everything, mm-hmm. you know, all the um, actions or whatever, your daily things. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful film, this. And i never seen it anywhere else done. And in 1947, they said that. 
Yeah. That the body is important. It was all censured that time. Even you couldn't show any love making and anything. I mean, But maybe, you could say that, that. Maybe that was kind of like a way of talking about some kind of you know like sexual sub subtitle. You know, like uh, you know, like uh, um, to 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 try to give the message about you know how how important bodily touches and connection is but without saying it you know yes but just talking about body but you know it's it's very yeah. quite clear of what they mean yeah yes there's only that one sentence there but Jim Jarmusch deals it very gently and nicely in this film they don't uh, go have make sex and things in <laughs> this this Patterson They have very yeah. gentle bodily conduct. In the, they sleep in that bed every morning. They wake up together, and the sheets change and the positions change when they, you know, you see it every morning is different. Yeah, yeah, it's but the same in a way, it's same and different. Wonderful! Well, I just so much uh, love this Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, this is like his most accessible film. Like this is like very like. Yeah, only lovers of life can be also viewed for some people, but it has the vampire stuff and some blood stuff and like yeah, maybe some people cannot really feel blood and stuff. But Patterson doesn't have any blood or it doesn't have anything. It's just this very mundane everyday life. But what about this Jim uh, Murray? What you Mar what you call this? Bill Murray, Bill Murray. You mean the film Broken Flowers? Yeah. But if, if, well, in that there's a lot of like sexual innuendos, like um, not just innuendos, but like it's all about the fact that he was a ladies' man and that he um, he goes through all the women that you know he had affairs and relations with and stuff. So it's a kind of like there is there is the world of. Um, Uh, you know what? What? what decadence. Uh, you know, maybe that can be for some people a little off-putting. You know, like I don't like decadence. You know, I don't. That's decadent subject matter and stuff. I I like very more traditional, you know, world things. And I, you know, one one relationship per lifetime, and that's you know, like swans. And that's Patterson. That's it's very accessible for for the. People who it doesn't challenge you a lot. That's that's the film. But in a way, it was when when I went to see it, it was very something very hypnotic for me. The film it's edited beautifully. There's like images and moments in the film when he's like driving the bus or having his lunch break and he's he's writing. You had you always have the lunch break on this waterfall. And when he starts thinking about poetry, and when he has that creativity, and it, the the images start overlapping uh, yeah, on each yeah. other, like the the waterfall and the water uh, flows through, and then we see the bus on the bus, and then we see a, a overlay of the hand writing on the things, and then we have the overlay of the text appearing. Like the, it's literally. The poetry is literally, literally written on screen in Tower. Yeah, it and is. he's like, yeah. and, and, and you would expect, you know, like, it was first a little bit off putting that, you know, uh, poetry, you know, like, it's a lot like also, like, if you read it out loud, it's a lot like how you, 
how you pronounce it, like how you like like um yes, it is. like yeah. like for example like how the breaks are, like every line and how how it's meant yeah. to construct and how do you use like in 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 one breath how much words do you pronounce and stuff like yeah. it's, it's very much like how you also speak poems, like when you have poem like oh like mic, you know like uh, how do you say it like poet reading readings yeah and stuff um so in this movie he's like literally just kind of coming up with the poem while the text is coming up and he's like reading it out loud so it's like and he's repeating certain lines over and over because he starts over that creative process and and the, constructing that poem and stuff so you are not, you are not like viewing the end result of the poem you are like viewing the process of creativity you yeah. know and that's very very beautiful at first it was a little bit off-putting but it it you 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 go into this very wonderful magical place which is that the, the process of of creativity and yeah. and in that way it speaks a lot into how an artist works and, and in that way it's a very beautiful portrait uh, of that character and stuff like this and for me when I when I went to it's a very like kind of slow and the editing is kind of hypnotic with the music and like I explained so when I went to see it in the theater it was it had something very much similar to uh, Tarkovsky's movies you know the Russian oh, yeah. Russian uh, Andrei Tarkovsky because oh. Tarkovsky represents for me a moment in life when I had a lot of like uh, stress or a lot of concern and very very dark time and I went to this old uh, fil- uh, old theater in Helsinki called uh, Orion. 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 Yeah, in Finnish. Uh, went to see and they see a lot of like old films and they had uh, all the Tarkovsky films playing there. So I went like almost every day, every week. I went to just sit there and Tarkovsky represented me an escape, like an, the ultimate therapy of of the pressures of real life you know i could just go and sit there and be in this dream that this yeah. tarkovsky's movies and not not like an action blockbuster dream but this slow meditative dream you know like mm-hmm. i could just i could really process my my uh my my anxiety yeah anxiety and you know, all the all the challenges and stuff like this and patterson also Rapper kind of did that same thing, you know. Like when I went there, it was like it was such a refreshing uh, counter reaction to to films in general and to life, you know. Like just take it, calm down, and just enjoy that mundane everyday routines and stuff like this. Yeah. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful to just be in this nothingness in a way. And that's, and that's in the way that it really reflects the poetry of it, you know. Yeah, and here we come to to William Carlos Williams, who was from <laughs> Patterson also, and and how skillfully this Jim Jarmus entwines this poet, poet, all those poets, and all the poetry, because William Carlos Williams got. Uh, uh, Inspiration from Ezra Pound, who, who was Ezra Pound, is an uh, he was he was um, uh, American modernist, which helped. You know, he was the one who helped, in fact, to 
all these great Ernest Hemingway oh, yeah. and James Joyce and yeah. T.S. Eliot and all kinds of you know, the modernists. He come to be the modernist, but he was kind of, I, I don't really know much about him, but I got really interested now when they wrote a new book about him being, he was kind of in, insane. Yeah, he because kind of he, crazy. he was applauding Hitler and all these uh, fascists. Yeah. He was some kind of crazy. So they, um, America, they catch him, and not America, after yeah, the, yeah. after Mussolini was dead in 1945, they catch him and put him in, he want, they want to put him in jail as a traitor, but he, he was considered insane, then they put him into, in Washington, into Santa Elizabeth's mental hospital. And he was there 12 years, but all this, in the same time he's a genius writer, Poet, and he was writing his best things there, you know, best uh, all these years there somehow together. But they visited him. William Carlos Williams visited him in the hospital, and uh, T.S. Eliot and all this rest. And they played tennis with him there and everything. And they were instrumental. Hemingway got Nobel Prize, and he he got uh, to be famous. So he said, "We have to get him out of that hospital." And so on. <laughs> so his his word was. Uh, you <laughs> know all this. So after twelve years, in nineteen fifty-eight, I think, or, so he got out and immediately left to Italy to live. He said that the whole America is a big prison, and I go. But he was kind of a genius, really a genius. I want to read his poetry, but his idea was. No, first I want to say that William Carlos Williams got inspiration to this Patterson book. This book. Patterson from him, from the hospital, when he visited there. Oh. He wrote it for because of that Ezra Pound. So he wrote a book called Patterson? Yeah. And the Adam Driver is holding it in his hands in the movie. Ah, a lot. The William Carlos Williams lot. book. Yeah, uh, William Carlos Williams. But, uh, but William. I, I know this because they show it clearly, the book. They show it. But, but it's called The Selected Poems of William Carlos Williams. Yeah, but it's, there is a book later. He's, he's holding the book called Patterson, and oh. it's a it's a collected poems. It's a poetry oh. anthology or something. Oh. And Laura even wants to hear one poem, oh, yeah. and he reads it about the refrigerator, which he yeah. takes. Although, so anyway, the point where we come <laughs> to this genius thing of Jim Jarmusch, the point is here that Ezra Pound got developed. Uh, imagine. Imagism called thing, what he himself called it's and it's derived from classical Chinese and Japanese poetry, which stresses on clarity, precision, and economy of language. And what else is Patterson's poetry but clarity, precision, and economy of language? <laughs> It goes all the way to there, William Carlos Williams, and then to Patterson from, from uh. Williams, and so on. And now we come to the end of Patterson film, where he meets on the bench a Japanese man. <laughs> he, you know, can you imagine, this Japanese man is the incarnation of the whole history of Japanese poetry. And he comes there gives support to Patterson and gives him a notebook, empty notebook, and and helps him to write again 
after Patterson thought that he's really a shit writer and he's not. <laughs> so he starts to write again. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? So well, yeah. I understood all of this you know, after I read this Ezra Pound business. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. yeah I so think it comes from. And it's all, and, and this fits to Jim Jarmusch especially very well because he wants to give ch a chance to everybody. He takes to his films, have you noticed, all kinds of rapists and, ra and singers and, uh, you know, in La Only Lovers Left Alive was this uh, woman singing, the Lebanonian woman yeah. in the, yeah, and, and here we have a rapper in the washing place, washing yeah, shop. hip-hop artist, yeah. Yeah, so he... Rap, yeah, he's a rapper, but you know that. Yeah, yeah, ra he, rapper, yeah. Yeah, and he writes about this, uh, <coughs> this. Um, what's Lawrence? Yeah, it was Paul Lawrence Dunbar, and Paul Lawrence <laughs> Dunbar is a is a writer. Himself is a poet and a writer from mm. who died in 1906. He's uh -huh. a, who didn't get chance in his life very much because he was black I and mean, he was in the, but he was great everybody thinks he's great okay so, yeah so he, it's packed with these things and he takes and then Laura is from Iran and then we have the Japanese we are all around the world in, his, in Jim Jarmusch's films mm. all around the world wow. that's the point yeah. I really like him he gives chance to everybody yeah, okay. Yeah. What did I do? Miss no, no, no. no. I, did I, I talk too much. No, no, I, no. I, I'm just a little bit uh, dumbstruck of like, now, now I feel so dumb because you. you <laughs> ah, so, no, no. I, I just got excited when I could connect all this together. I, I love these things. So then there's even more, you know, because he has a secret notebook. And Laura tells him that you have to make copy, you have to make copy of your secret yeah. notebook and so on. So there's a lot of secret notebook uh, business in the history of of uh, you know, writing. The, but the most famous maybe is this philosopher De, Descartes, René Descartes, who was, I think he was a Belgian, was... Um, was he Belgian or French? I think Belgian. So, so he was a mathematician and philosopher in the 1600 something. So he yeah. were, he wrote the secret notebook and uh, the what they always repeat. You know, he has a lot of writings and all his life he writes everything. But what they repeat is the sentence that I think that's why I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what Patterson is doing, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, in a way, yeah. So kind yeah, of fits of course. the secret I think notebook. everybody, in that sense, everybody does it. You know, but yeah, yeah. It yeah. fits, of course, all this philosophy is for everybody, every single person. Like Levi Strauss, I got even to the, maybe it's too much, but I, I love these things. So Claude Levi Strauss, it's a Belgian... He was a Belgian uh, anthropologist, and but he lived in Paris, so so he was um, he, he he says about the people like um, 
you know, in one word we can he said it like savage is the same mind as civilized mind. It is the same everywhere. That the mind is not not only civilized. Everybody's mind, from savage to civilized, is the same. Because, you know, there was I heard about one Finnish uh, scientist who went to visit him in uh, Paris, and was sorry that he's. What he lives in peripheria here in Finland, and he don't know so much. He's not so good because Paris is the center and so on. So he said the opposite: the center is always where you are. Yeah. yeah. That's what Patterson also no. It's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So finally, I come to Tuve Jansson, <laughs> my favorite woman, woman writer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. What I realized that this Tuve Jansson stresses in his, in her Moomin books, it's always tension between society and the individual independence. You know, mm-hmm. it's a tension between. But Patterson is stressing. But we we'll start to think about Patterson in this connection, and I think he stresses to stay aside from the tension in society. Aside. Aside, away. Yeah. It's like going through and hearing what the twins talk about, the people talk about in the bus and all, and seeing everything, and then taking them and, and uh, putting them into his poems. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Going through the motions and, and uh, making them in the... Poems, like Laura makes a dinner, he makes a poem, no? like mm-hmm. something like that. So he makes her cupcakes. Yeah, he makes a black and white cupcake. Because it has all kind of like, well, see, Laura does all kind of little things. Like when when he opens his lunchbox, you know, it's full of these beautiful little things yeah. that Laura gives, like. Like I, wow. it's really amazing. Like there is this orange in the lunchbox, like just like a complete orange. But she has like with an ink, she has drawn these beautiful eye icons. Oh yeah, all over the orange and stuff. And it's such yeah. a beautiful little artwork by itself, you know. And in a way, Lara represents this kind of character who fills her every little bits of her life with this creativity and this yeah. mind mind yeah. and, and everything so in a way she also takes aside all those things and like captures them and processes them and you yeah, know like that, that that that's something that I've kind of like have been thinking for a long time in my life that I, I start to like I yeah um I don't know if it's the right right place to like like talk about it like too deep but I I I started to feel like um, that you know the the word or the the how we use to the, like what how we conceive art has become very much like uh, or it has been already for a long time maybe like um, I don't know the word for it but it's hard for me to kind of uh, get around to it like how to explain it like um, okay let me let me explain it this way like. Um, we went to uh, 
in lockdown ago in Helsinki, there was this uh, theater play. Yeah. But it was a very interesting, kind of experimental theater play. Um, and it was like, it was a play that was in the complete dark. Mm. So so uh, you had to just go into this cellar, to this room, and it was complete dark. And then every, the whole play and the whole theater was what happens in that dark around you. Voices and uh, sounds and touches and characters and stuff. And you, you are kind of interacting with, with the play yeah. and stuff like this. So that's, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, it was kind of fun. It wasn't uh, perfect, but it was very interesting and fun. Uh, it was kind of a test, you know. They were testing, and we were kind of what we 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 were like going there, and um, uh, and I, yeah, it was all kind of interesting stuff. And I I went with some friends, and afterwards I I talked with one friend about it, and she she had left like after five minutes or something. She just didn't like it or something. She she, she decided to just go and go away. And we were talking about it, and he was saying that it was very pretentious. That oh. she didn't... She was like, that it was art for the sake of art. Yeah. You know, like, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point of having this dark theater? Like, just make a theater play or something, I don't know. And I, and I was kind of uh, wondering about it, and I said to her that why... Why do you have to think about it as art? Why, why like... Couldn't it be just an experience? Yeah. Because if you take it as an experience, not as art, you can review it as in a different way. You can just go in and you can just experience it and just kind of explore and do. Like I, I started to do all kind of weird, weird stuff there and, and started to kind of imagine it in my own mind. Like how, what, what could I do? You know, I don't, um, I didn't try to analyze it. I didn't try to just you know, get what the artist is saying, you know, as, as an art, as, because it's an artwork and stuff like this. And I think, I think here is a lot of things of how I, what I was trying to start saying about how people conceive art. It's because we define it as art. And then we have to review it as art, you know? And I was kind of starting to feel like, is the word art, is the whole concept of art kind of lost its the, the, the position, you know, the role and stuff, because we we, we, st- we, we, we tend to go aside of it, not Yeah, I understand it. what you mean, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, maybe it go, it, maybe it, it went, it, I, I'm talking too, too long about it, but so I, I started to like, have this idea that what what if, because I, I'm more interested in the experience, not in the art of it, just, oh, you know yeah. movies are experiences and music is experience and stuff you know and then you can you can analyze it and think about it in any way so life as an art yeah you know everything that happens just like in Patterson everything yeah. every little thing that goes in your way you know if you see a ladder in the exhibition it's like this uh, classic joke you know like somebody puts a ladder into a museum into an exhibition and then it's like Oh, this is an interesting artwork, you know. <laughs> uh, but it's it's ridiculous. It's it is pretentious because it has it it has become pretentious uh, the yeah, art yeah. itself by definition. Like museums are kind of uh, in that way, it is pretentious to put something displayed there because art is all around us, you know, in a way. Like life is all around us, and experience is all around, and it can come in many different ways. So I think Patterson 
and the poetry that movie kind of explores that idea. And I think Laura in the background beautifully displays this kind of like character, this kind of creative character who just who who doesn't necessarily like you don't have to define yourself as some specific kind of artist in order to do art. Yeah. Yeah. She can just be creative in anything that she does. And she I think, is really... <laughs> Yeah. And I and I and I, and I if, if I go and you know like uh I have a I have a friend who who is very good in uh in uh carpenting and woodwork. Yeah. You know, but but he doesn't work as a carpenter. He, he yeah. works like other stuff and things. But uh, his home is like full of amazing solutions that he does. He's like yeah. an inventor, you know. He's so creative and his stuff. And I think he's an artist. He's an artist yeah. for his own life. And he fills his whole house with art, with creativity. Uh, like Laura. Yeah. yeah, like Laura. And and I would say, and I get so like I get from him as much inspiration as I get from a book or from a great artist, you know, so to speak. Because he he enables and he fulfills his life and his environment with his own ability, his own creativity and stuff. Yeah. And that I think why I was really like Laura characters because he, he yeah. does that. Just do it. Just do it uh, like like just like the poetry with with Patterson itself. Yeah. You can just do whatever. Just yeah. You know, fill your environment with your own creativity. You know, because uh, you you have something in, in you, and you. So I so I really enjoy Laura. Like 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 that. Any anybody can really be creative in their life. And maybe I, maybe I talk too much about it, but like. No, no. I think it's very yeah. interesting, really. Yeah, and and, and Laura yeah. is is a perfect uh, companion to Patterson in this way. They're both yeah. doing their own thing. Yeah it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a wonderful way of portraying these people who can be kind of different and stuff like this, but they can have so much similarities and, and things like yeah. this. And um, yeah, and I also had like this um, kind of weird feeling with the movie because the movie itself is like, kind of going on to a, like, like a little bit a bridge to another subject is that it's it's very realistic movie in a way, you know, yeah. like it's it's a kind of the mundane of everyday life, and it's not like a, it's kind of a counter reaction to a Hollywood film or a drama mm. movie or something. But yeah. there is a lot of there is some part elements of magic realism. Yeah. Uh, with the twins. Yeah. The in the beginning of the movies, Laura mentions that she sees twins, and I don't know, Laura sees a dream about twins. Yeah. And after this, this, Patterson sees twins everywhere. Yeah. He He's like, there's there's unrealistically, unrealistic amount of twins living in Patterson. Yeah, unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a process of magic realism. And in this way, uh, uh, you, I, 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 I'm starting to feel like there's an element of uh, Paul Auster yeah. in, in a very similar way of how Paul Auster describes how this kind of magic realism of life and also because and I kind of want to go to the end by like what I want to kind of 
be wanting to say is that I had these very weird things when I when I went to see this film that um, the I started to have a very a lot of parallels to real life situations in the movie. Like the movie was somehow interactive. Very weird way how to say it, but um, yeah. because I was seeing so many like uh, parallels to real people that I know with these people. For example, the dog. The fact yeah. that uh, Patterson doesn't like the dog. I know a friend who uh, who has been in this situation for a long time that there is a dog living in the family, but he doesn't like it. He doesn't want to go and walk the dog, and but he's the one going in the yeah. evening walking the dog and stuff like this. And and I was all the time thinking about this this guy. And there is also with Laura. There's another friend woman who. I was really struck by this because uh, I, I met this this couple. I, I have this couple, and I met this uh, this man friend. He came and he had this uh, white shirt yeah. under his jacket and stuff, and it had this very beautiful those black white shirt and this this beautiful black line patterns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in it, and we were all wondering, like, wow, that shirt is so cool, like. Where did you find this design? Like, because it looks like a design shirt, you know, that you buy for expensive money and stuff like this. And and he said, like, no, actually, my girlfriend drew drew it on the shirt, <laughs> like like it was just a white shirt, and it and she just took an ink and just make this just like Laura, just like Laura painting on top of her skirt and stuff. Yeah. And I was really, I was confound like what wh- how is this possible that that mm. it's exactly the same as Laura you know and I, yeah. I've been ever since I've been wanting my friend just go and see this patterns you know? but I cannot say why but yeah. just go and see patterns because it's it, yeah. uh, I, I can't wait for her uh, reaction to it and stuff yeah that would be I would be yeah. <laughs> want to be there when she sees and, and and you know there's there's this one moment that happens I I saw it now two times, and it happens every time when I watch the movie and it's a very weird moment. It's like mm. it's like real magic. Yeah. And this is real magic of cinema. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah. um, there is a scene because every morning, he yeah. has his breakfast. Yeah. In the kitchen, and. Yeah. Uh, and we we always observe him from different angles and stuff like this. And there's this one one morning we see him from the back, and he's yeah. eating. And we see yeah, like um, the the kitchen around. And there's on the left there is uh, curtains, yeah, and, the, and white curtains. And she has painted these big uh, dark just, circles. Yeah, the circles, wonderful, yeah. wonderful, beautiful curtains. Yeah. And every for both times viewing this film. I see the scenes and I, I, I automatically drift to the curtains because I'm, yeah. I'm really marveling like Laura's creativity and stuff like of this, course. and I, I, yeah. I like to see these details. So actually, without actually not seeing Patterson himself, I'm just looking at the curtains and I'm just observing mm. the curtains. And you know what happens? No. Patterson, we see him from the back. Patterson turns towards the curtains and starts himself also. Looking at yes, the just I like me. Very, yes. and, and both times, I'm I'm struck that 
How did he do that? I was also looking at the curtains. Yeah. That suddenly the movie <laughs> decides to that, that that okay, let's both really? look at the curtains, like really? interacting. Yeah. Yeah. And that that for me is very much. That is the magic of Jim Jarrod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have never had that that kind of moment in film where it's actually, yeah, I I feel like I'm connected somehow. Yeah. So we are. Going to wrap up, we have talked a lot now, but there is something which I would very much like to say still. Yeah. It's to the end, like, no? Like, when I think about Jim Jarmusch, no? Every time I think about Jim Jarmusch, I, I don't never have to think, you know, when he comes a new movie, I don't have to think if it's uh, brilliant or interesting, it will be. Yeah. It's sure. It's no no question. It's it's hundred yeah. percent beforehand, guaranteed. So, for instance, if you have other, you know, other. I had just lately there was Noah Baumbach, you know, a director, which I was. He has done Francis Ha, for instance which is a wonderful film. Yeah. But he has other films, which I'm not so sure, I really don't know, uh, not to know, he's done other films, and I have to think hard if they're seeable enough that I don't really care so much. So there are directors and directors, and I'm so grateful about Jim Jarmusch that it's a guaranteed, it's, it's an in, a joy, it's a joy. And... Talking about Paul Oster, no, he is in Finland now, or maybe he already left. But yesterday he was here and <clears throat> promoting his new book, his four three two one, and he said in the interview, with thing which I now remember when you talk about the lunchbox with Laura makes for Patterson every day, and there came the orange, which she painted on. So, so Oster said that he has a good friend who said once that the, what writer has to do, a novelist has to do, is to give to people an orange when they wait for an apple. <laughs> so, in a way, he does that and Jim Jarmusch does that, you know, he gives an orange when you wait for apple, but it's guaranteed. No, there's a, it's not something something completely other. They they are themselves anyway. And thank God that they are themselves. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I want to say. So that's all. I would also say something funny. Oh. A funny yes. light light end. You know. Oh the light end. Okay. A, cho a choke in the end. The light. <laughs> Okay. So, so, um, so I, I, I was looking like for the, like I was looking at the EMDB page of yeah. the Patterson, and uh, on the front page of the of the Patterson uh, film, there is all the actors. Yeah. Uh, listed like like there's always the director, writer, and the actor. They're like, yeah, three main actors. And then, yeah. of course, the director and writer is Jimmy Busk and stuff. But then the actors 
stars of the film are Adam Driver first, and then uh, Kosifte Farahadi, yeah, the Iranian woman, and who, and the third actor is Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who Nelly is? Is is the dog? Marvin. Yeah, it's Marvin, and it's the third actor, like top actor that is. Even in the list, it's like, instead of any other human actor, it's Nelly, is the dog. So you Nelly know? is a woman name, so it's a female dog who is acting a male dog. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and I was thinking about it when I, when I uh, saw Nelly in, uh, in Patterson, that, and I commented it, so Meryl Mutualtais, that that dog is an amazing actor. Yeah. It does exactly, <laughs> like, it's really amazing how every scene is like perfect. With, yeah. with uh, Nelly, with the yeah. Marvin, with the Marvin dog, mm. and do you? Uh, and then I was like looking at Nelly's like biography, like this this yeah. this dog is apparently a big thing because it's like the third <laughs> biggest star of the film and stuff, which of course is rightfully. Mm. And in in fact, it got the it was. Uh, <laughs> It, it he was she was nominated for best dog actor at 2016 Cannes yeah. Film Festival yeah. Yeah. for her performance and yeah. she became the first to get <laughs> Palm Dog Award <laughs> <laughs> from her performance oh, in Patterson. That's so, wonderful. so there's so there's Fun. dog awards. It yes. can't. There's there's Palm Dog Award for dogs. Yeah, wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah. But amazing. is it only for dogs, or do you think there's also for no, cats? No, it's only for no, it's only for dogs. <laughs> because we we have all very many cats who also are amazing. Remember in Eight Full Eight, there is this cat yeah, sitting. Ginger. Yeah, ginger. there was there was like was there three cat handlers? Yeah. Who, Wranglers, they call yeah, them yeah, the Wranglers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there was a cat also in the in the Coen Brother movie, the Inside Louis Davis, which was yeah, a very lot, wonderful yeah. performance and stuff. Yeah. So there should be also a palm uh, cat. Maybe there is no, no, not a palm cat, but there, maybe there's somewhere else. But anyway, Nelly was really good in it, even. <laughs> <Not probably. laughs> so, okay, so now we can finish in a good humor, yeah. a good film. And uh, of course, it's five stars. All I, well, with flying colors. I, I gave it a nine out of ten. Ooh, why not? Why not? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. There, there was some some things in it that didn't that, like some some of the some performances weren't like nailed to the perfect. Like there were some some parts where it just kind of something kept it from being like completely perfect. But oh, so but amazing. but personally and for for how it remains in my head and everything, it's it's a perfect movie. Yeah. yeah. So we can thank everybody. And uh, it was a beautiful discussion, for fun for me at least, it was wonderful. So thank you and goodbye. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Hi, 
it's me, I don't think I was of the movie podcast, you have been listening to uh, some quick words here at the end. First of all, if you want to know more about our podcast and get some extra material from the episodes, you can visit our website, mothersandmovies.com. Also, if you want, it would be really nice and help our show if you could rate us on iTunes. The music that you heard in the beginning and now in the background was done by Kevin McLeod with my additional remixing of our intro track. Um, Be sure to join us next time and we will discuss a, a film that is not really a film. Um, thanks a lot then. Bye.